recorded live. Today, I have stood where once Jefferson Davis stood and took an oath to our people. It is very appropriate that from this cradle of the Confederacy, this very heart of the great Anglo-Saxon Southland, that today we sound the drum for freedom as have our generation of forebears before us done time and again down through history. Let us rise to the call of freedom-loving blood that is in us and send our answer to the tyranny that clanks its chains upon the South in the name of the greatest people that have ever trod this earth. I draw the line in the dust and toss the gauntlet before the feet of tyranny and I say segregation now segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. to our Sunday night Bible study. Appreciate all you guys being there tonight in the chat room. It's a blessing to see you there, and I appreciate it very much. How you doing, Brother Dave? I'm doing good, Pastor Don. Very Amen, good. Amen, brother. Amen. And you can give the folks an update on Sister Laura, if you don't mind, brother. Uh, yeah, she's, um, there's a little improvement. She's, um, they took out the intravenous tube for feeding and so she's able to eat now and um let's see oh they're doing some work on her kidneys there's just some medication there was some kind of a little problem with her kidneys and uh, her awareness is good it's getting better so she's get her thoughts and everything are getting a lot clearer of, you know, events of what happened and what precipitated all this and the details leading up to it. So there's improvement that way. And um, But she's still in the ICU, still in intensive care. Yeah. You folks keep her in your prayers, you downloaders. I know some of you guys that download or your families are, are praying for Sister Laura. Just keep up the prayer and let's, let's pray, pray for complete healing and a miracle from the Lord to heal her up and let her know that the healing hand came from the Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Dave. Let's do that. Yes, amen. Thank you, everyone, for praying. Absolutely, Brother. If you don't mind, open us in a word of prayer, Brother. Yes. Uh, Father, we come to you tonight, and we give thanks for this evening. We give thanks that we can open the book, so to speak, tonight, the Word of God, and that 
we will be taught new things and we will be able to follow you according to righteousness. Following true knowledge is following righteousness. And we pray for those brothers and sisters who are led astray, who love the Lord and mean to do well, but they're on the wrong side in many ways and will reap the repercussions of being on the wrong side of things, even though their heart is right to serve you, Lord. So, Father, we pray that these understandings that your scripture, that that your word reveals to us would become broader in knowledge across the body of Christ, that it wouldn't be just a small few who know the truth that you have instilled in your saints in the line of Adam through the word of God. And tonight, Lord, we pray for everyone who has a need, that their needs would be met. You know all the needs that we have present, Lord. We don't need to mention every single one. I know that you know the need, and I know that you will meet needs. Maybe not the way we want them met, but, Lord, meet the needs the way that you desire them to be met. And assure us that, hey, this is the way I wanted it done. And let people not be confused and think that their prayers weren't answered just because they weren't answered the way they wanted. Yes, Father. And, Father, I pray for my sister, Laura, that you would continue to bring about a total and utter miraculous healing in her mind and in her organs, in her body, and a restoration and a reconciliation in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And folks, uh, Brother Dave, and, and appreciate your prayers for Sister Laura as well as myself. I appreciate it very much that you guys taking the time for that prayer and putting the, her name up on the refrigerator, as some of you've done, and, and maybe in the bathroom over the next to the mirror in the bathroom. Anything that'll bring it to your memory. With the way this world system is today, when people with so many irons in the fire. I'm always hollering. I'm on you guys hard because I carry you out on the limb, okay? I carry you. I try to get you out toward the end of that limb. If I can bring you out halfway, if I can get you out halfway on that limb, you're already 100% further than 99.9% of professing Christianity is today. Is that? Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? I hope you do. There's a lot of truth to that. That's the way I teach. With malice of forethought, (laughs) so to speak. That's the way the Apostle Paul taught. That's the way all the apostles taught. Strive for the top of the mountain. Beat the bushes to try to be the best you can possibly be. Because if you settle for second best, you won't even make that. Am I being clear, Brother Dave? You understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes, I do. I understand yeah. what you're saying. You, you know, part of what you're saying is that people, you've revealed a lot of truths to people from the scriptures that many people don't know, and when they find these things out and and choose to live their life accordingly, they will be found on the right path, walking with the Lord, 
and not walking with the enemy, thinking they're walking Amen. with the Lord. Good articulation, brother. Good. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. It was good. Okay, folks, tonight before we get into John, I was going to spend about 15 minutes talking about the difference in the races, and I'll just make just a few simple, but from personal experience, okay? Back when I was in junior high school, I was there was an exchange student from China that I was put in charge of taking care of, taking to different classes and everything in junior high school. And they stayed at my house, the person from China did. I can tell you that the three basic root races are Caucasian, Mongoloid, and Negroid, all right? I've spent numerous amount of time in my 63 years, be 63 here in just a few days, June the 10th. Spent quite a lot of time with the folks of the race, especially and when I was in the ministry in Montgomery. I lived with the blacks, and down south, that's part of that's our culture, part of our culture. And for and for anybody to believe that the races are all the same is just ludicrous. That's all Jewish pushed. It's all sociological, psychological BS. The Bib, the the Bible way is segregation. The Bible way is is separation and segregation. Both old covenant and new covenant the new covenant in the book of acts it tells you that god has made of all nations one blood and has set forth the bounds of their habitation there's a reason he set forth the bounds folks is because they're different the races are different they t- they stay within their own or as they stay down south they say down south or used to say stay with their own kind all right do, they'll do just fine. The Lord will do what He's going to do with that bunch. We're the chosen race. We're the we're the Israelites of God. We're the chosen race. But God set forth the bounds of the habitations for the others as well. As they if they stay in those bounds, then but that's between them and God. Whatever God wants to do with them, that's between that's between them and the Father. The Great Commission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel, not go into all the world and marry a bunch of blue gums or a bunch of chinks. That's not what the Great Commission was. And the bounds of the habitation, once those were broken down, every boundary the Lord set has been there, just like I've mentioned before, just the other night. For every law... It's legalized. Everything, every law the Lord set forth has been legalized. Now, it's totally anti-law. It's antithesis, thesis, synthesis. That's what's going on, folks. That's what Satan's behind, and his foot soldiers are behind. That's why they're, that's why, when you think, I'm going to play some stuff just in a few minutes when I get off this racial stuff. And um, when this, this, this is a smart brother that's starting to write books and going back and studying the church fathers. So when he tell, he's a Judeo-Christian, so when he says Jew, just like a Revelation 2, 9 and 3, 9, where it says they are Judean or not, Jews and or not, just think that. Don't, don't get all bent out of shape because he mentions Jew, okay? You know the difference. You should by now anyway. Anyway, back to this racial business that I was talking about. If you take two or three blacks and put them around a hundred white folks. Me and Brother Kevin was talking about it today. 
they'll they will try they will try their best to to assemble uh, to reach the level of the Caucasian every single time. Their manners will be different. They'll act different. They'll talk different. Their behavior will be different. Back during the segregated South, the music was their their music was white music. You couldn't tell the difference between in the platters singing a totally black group than some of the pop singers that were that were white Caucasian. You, if you didn't see them, you wouldn't know the difference. But the bad thing about it is when you start flip taking the boundaries down. The higher level always degenerates down to the lower level. It's that the Jewish psychologists would have you to believe that no, this social equality now is going to bring the downtrodden or the lesser IQ up to meet the higher IQ. Folks, that is an absolute lie of the pits of hell. I was listening to um. McDonald, what's his first name? Oh, shoot. Uh, can't think of it right off hand, but he's um, a professor that's written a lot of books about the racial differences. It, it cannot be denied. I was I watched also some uh, up-to-date videos from American Renaissance. Any of y'all can type that into the computer and pull up their website, American Renaissance. And they've got every kind of true scientific proof that talks about the genetic difference, the social difference, the the criminology difference. It just you can go on and on and on. And the TV all the time is pumping out a lie, pumping out total contrary, totally opposite from the truth. And the and as long as people stayed in the Word of God, they understood this, especially down south. That's the reason I played what I did from the man that you heard the speech from was a presidential candidate back in 1968, I mean 76, and he was from where I live, about uh, seven miles from where I'm sitting right now. Was That was Governor George Wallace from Alabama. When I grew up, the blacks had their own hospitals, doctors, stores, School buildings, they did fine. As long as they managed their self, they were fine. Because they looked up to the white police chief. And they obeyed the laws. And they stayed married. I wrote something the other day on Facebook about how in, 18, in April the 9th of 1865 is when slavery was instituted in North America. No, oh, no, that's when the slaves... No, no, that's when slavery was instituted. Everybody became a slave. When General Robert E. Lee surrendered at Appomattox, that's the day slavery was instituted. The black man does fine as long as an intelligent person is running them. Always. That don't. That isn't that just so unpolitically correct. And some of the downloaders are going to cringe. Some of these universalist Judeo Christians. Some of these race mixed people. 
just cringe. But that's a fact. The black always has done better when either an when either a mongoloid or a caucasoid had the upper position and was in rulership or leadership in some way. Always check the history out. The old carnal saying you can take the you can take the monkey out of Africa, but you can't take Africa out of the monkey. And I mean no disrespect. You can teach the lower IQ, and the, by the way, there's 15% difference. I don't care where, if you look at the facts. It's just been done here in the last few years again. This brother that I was listening to, when he's a, he just written a book. You're not going to find it out in mainstream. But uh, the American Renaissance folks had him speaking. He went to South Africa and, and to make sure the facts were right. And of all Africa, the average IQ for the blacks was 70. You know, that's practically, that, 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 borderlines, that borderlines retarded. Do you know that? Now, that, that mean no disrespect from what I'm saying. Just telling you the truth. And the one, you'll hear the sociologist and the liberal race-mixing bunch and the Jew, they'll take an exception to the rule that's probably 60%, their genes are 60%, they're what we call high yellow, and they're not full roots black, and try to use that like Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody like that, say, see there how smart he is. How come they couldn't ever get a boat built to even barely get across a river, much less cross, cross an ocean? Hmm? How come they couldn't build nothing but a wood hut? Or even dig a, a well. That's correct. Go down and pump a well water out. They'd That's die. right. I mean, that we're still doing it for them. The black only does well when he's taken care of by a mongoloid or a caucasoid, folks. I'm telling you. That's not my opinion. That's not a racist, southerner, roll rebel. That is a scientific, historical fact. Look or look at De- how they doing in Detroit today, brother Dave. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely destroyed Detroit. The white man moves out and it goes to hell in a handbasket. Because yep. the boundaries of the habitations have been broken down. The laws have been turned upside down. The biblical laws of kind after kind. Well, all the white people left Detroit, just about all. I mean, except for the very poor who have no choice. Yeah, they don't have so, any choice. Yeah. But it's degenerated totally. And Birmingham, Alabama, the same th- white flight. They went out, the city's gone to hell in a handbasket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what same I, way with Montgomery. Time. The whites moved out. They only go into work. The town's just falling into decay, folks. And I don't care if they may, I don't care if the government gives them four hundred thousand dollars a year. It may don't make any difference. The money is not going to change it. And if anyone wanted to question this, they can go and look at South Africa today compared to when it was segregated. 
and you will see that the, I've just been reading a bunch of stats about the huge, richest country in all of Africa. All the jobs had tremendous, uh, blacks had tremendous jobs. Everyone was working. You know, they had so much food, they were exporting it. Now they can't even feed themselves. They get hydro a couple of days a week. The city, everything's falling apart. The, they're um, stealing everything from everyone uh, when they have, riots because they're not getting this handout that they used to get and this other handout and they're rioting and destroying their own infrastructure their own water u utilities and all that they, they destroy them in right. riot their own things that they require and so i mean it's all out there easy to find you can compare the two if the black man is left to himself, he'll start eating one. They'll start eating one another. They always have. They always will. History says it's true and ain't going to change history. I don't care how you try to modernize, socialize, psychologize, whatever you try. To, it don't make no difference. When they're, when they're in the bunch, they act like the bunch. That just sounds so racist, doesn't it? It's true, folks. Now, you take the mongoloid, whose IQ is 1% to 3% better. They always IQ test 1% to 3% better even than us. If you want to call it mental superiority, the mongoloid IQ is higher than our IQ, 1% to 3% as a general rule. They're introverts. They're introvert. Their nature is introvert. They're sw they're they're smart. They they can look at you, and smile at you, and be in their mind be working out. They they can think further ahead. They're introverted. They're thinkers, and they be smiling at you and be thinking how they're going to kill you and bury you and take your land away from you all at the same time. <laughs> And that's the way they're built. They're different. Things that are different, folks, are just not the same, no matter how nice it sounds that everybody would get together and sing Kumbaya. The genetics are different. The mongoloid and the caucasoid are the two closest. Okay, Now, I'm not talking about every, every kind of offshoot from all that. I'm not talking about the Mexican. I'm not talking about... The, and that's not what I'm talking about. That's all offshoots from the three basic ones. All the races come out of three different groups. And one of those groups, there's a one-tenth of one percent difference in the genetic code. Can you guess which one it is? One-tenth of one percent difference in it. If you've ever studied what, that's right, Watson and Crick. Professor Watson brought it out, and they crucified him. On the media, everything. He, he has lost his tenureship, everything. And they're the, Watson and Crick's the one that mapped the human genome. Do you know what that makes the black? Makes him a hybrid. Did you stop to think about that, Brother Dave? Hmm. You ever thought about that? It makes That's him a hybrid. Black is a hybrid. Yeah. That's right. Because the mongoloid and caucasoid genetic layouts the same but not the negroid it's one tenth of one percent that's all it takes folks that's all it takes 
Things different are not the same. Period. And I there's no I, there's no hatred in anything that I'm saying. Or as Paul says, as you have opportunity, do good unto all men, but especially those that are the household of faith. But you don't go marry them. You do not race mix. You do not destroy your heritage. You do not destroy your people. Those laws of kind after kind were instituted before Mount Sinai. They were instituted in the first couple of chapters of the book of Genesis. Kind after kind, folks. And you There's another down. big difference uh, between Caucasoids and Mongoloids, too, and that's the speed at which um, information that isn't currently known is processed, like the ability to invent, the mm. ability uh, the, the ability to create, to create music, um, these things that are almost a, a spiritual aspect. Yes, that, there is, in that's the mind. introvert part, brother, that I was, you're, you're making a good point. That's what I didn't say. That's part of the introvertedness of their, the way they think, absolutely. Well, We're, this is what the Caucasoid has, the ability to receive um some of it's through hard work, but to envision in their mind things that aren't currently in existence. We're creative, brother. We have the yes. creative gene. We have the creation, Amen. the conqueror. We're the we're the builders. We're the inventors. We've invented all the great things that this world has the pleasure of having today. Yes. And what and we music. didn't create, we taught the other ones how to. We taught the the mongoloid how he could do it. I remember there was a time when if you had anything made in Japan or China, it, it cost about a penny or two. It wasn't worth the flip. Guess who taught them how to make it better? We did. Folks, mm-hmm. so this is—it's got nothing. It ain't got nothing to do with pride either. It's the way the Father created things to be. Once you deter from His set rules, once you get away from what's in this book, it's all gonna go to hell in a handbasket. I. Guarantee, 100% sure. I'm prophesying now. Okay? It will go to hell in a handbasket. Everything will go to hell in a handbasket. You can't mix uh, wrong kinds together. How come seagulls and crows, folks, don't enter, don't interbreed? Huh? You ever thought about that? They're both birds, aren't they? Both of them fly. They don't, you can't catch one breeding with another one. I wonder why dolphins and whales don't interbreed. They're both air-breathing fish. But they're not the same. They're different. Bluebirds don't mate with redbirds. Both of them are birds. They got the same kind of blood flowing through their veins. All na- all blood, all nations, one blood, but set forth the bounds of the habitation. Folks, you can't beat the book with a stick. And the, and the ones that, and as bad as I can't stand it, I'm not going to touch the book to try to make it say what I want it to say. The book tells you, if you just believe what you read. Okay. When I was... Um reading uh, about Balaam 
this weekend. And in Numbers 23, verse 9, it says, For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. And that's in reference to Israel. There you go. That's God's plan. That's God's order. That's his order. And once once you step over the bounds of his orders, folks, and there's no difference with the book, same way with interpretation of the book, the Father has, he's not the author of confusion. Okay? He has set lines to do everything. Okay? Once you start stepping over those lines, well, you just open yourself up for a world of hurt. And he offers his love and protection for all those that obey him. And the Lord Jesus is going to start talking about that stuff in John chapter 15 that we're fixing to get into, folks. Okay? But everything that I've said, I mean no harm. Folks, I can go to Montgomery, Alabama, and the black section on the north side of town right now, and and I don't know if they're still, the folks are still there now, but they would invite me in their home and treat me like a king, okay? And the first thing I'd say to them is, how you niggas doing today? And they'd just laugh. And they'd say, better than them niggas down the street. <laughs> ah, TV's just got everybody screwed up, ain't they? There's three black pastors pastoring black churches that believe in pure separation and segregation that came through my classes in Montgomery. I taught segregation 100% with an 85% black population inside the rescue mission. Yes. Yes. There was black folks that said under my teaching up there can quote more scripture than anybody under the sound of my voice. I know other than myself. I can say that beyond any shadow of a doubt in my mind. Like I said, three of them pastor in their own black churches, and they believe in segregation 1% because they were taught that. So whatever the Lord does with them, fine. You say, what about the new birth? Don't they all get, don't they all get, no, no, because it's, it's the difference between the elect, it's the division between the elect Israel of God, folks, and the whosoever will. It's the difference between the pearl of great price and the rest of the world. The Lord showed Brother David that, I already knew about it, but the Lord showed Brother David that a few years ago, and he made a comment about it, and he almost got run out of town. You remember that, Brother Dave? Yes. Mm-hmm. The blood was shed for the world, folks, but it was to get the, it was shed to cover the world, but it was shed for the pearl of great price, the bride of Christ, the elect Israel of God. All the promises in here, all that, those promises. The new covenant is for Israel. Hebrews chapter 10. Jeremiah 31. 
when the blinders finally do come off and the time of the Gentiles is over, folks, there's going to be some, when the awakening takes place among our people, they are only going to be a minute bunch left. When all this thing comes to a culmination, they're going to be a, just a remnant left. And they're going to cry out to God and beg forgiveness. for being so deceived and letting themselves be deceived by not staying in his book and believing what they read. There's deceived members, folks, in the body of Christ. Paul said it's necessary that heresies be among you that that which is true will be made manifest. Now, would it be? It would be nice if our people woke up and we could turn things around, but it ain't happening, folks. It might turn around worldly fine, but spiritualized. You're not going to get our. If you know what the promise is, and say in, in Second First or Second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That's what the promise is, that the Lord would hear from heaven and heal their land. Well, until God's people that are called by His name realize who they are, and the Holy Spirit shows them, there's not going to be anybody calling out to God to heal their land. See the conundrum there? You ever stop to think about that, Brother Dave? Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are going to be having a very rude awakening. Very rude awakening. I could go on and on about it, folks. Things that are different. Listen, preach the gospel. The gospel, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Turn to Revelations real quick, Brother Dave. Read to them what it says. In, I think it's in Revelations chapter 7 where it talks about um, that where the gospel's preached and it'll say so many from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. That covers every gamut you could possibly cover. That covers elect and whosoever wills the whole shooting match. I think it's in, it's uh, chapter 7, verse 9. I think I may be wrong, brother. You know where the verse is, don't you? Okay, Revelations, yeah. I mean, it, you can't get away from, from the, these this verses and what the context is with the getaway machine, folks. You can ignore it, but you can't get away from it because <laughs> it's there. Yes, you're right about Revelation 7, verse 9. Okay. Read After this 8, I, and 9. 8 and 9. Read 8 and 9. Okay. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. 
Okay, After folks, let, let me say one thing before you go any further. This is Israelite preachers, 144,000 of them. Now watch what it says in the very next verse. Go ahead, brother. And, no, excuse me. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Amen. Amen. It, doesn't it say every kindred nation? It said that covers yes. the whole the whole sheet match, doesn't it, brother? Yes, it does. That's All over 6,000 years of history, people. folks. What does it say, Brother Dave? Read again. Yes. Of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, you know what all means in the Greek, folks? <laughs> it means all. Sounds contradictory, don't it? Not if you stay with your people and stay within the boundaries of your habitation. The Lord had it set up to be worked out just perfectly. Different strokes for different folks. Different, Just like the, the, the body has many different members... The races had their specific things that God that God wanted them to do for his pleasure. When the very first chapter, when he made those, he said that they were good, didn't he, Brother Dave? Yes, he did. Genesis chapter 1. And then he calls out the people. Then he, then he gets into chapter 2, Adam out, and breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. Totally different ball game. That's the special ones. That's where we come from, folks. Anyway, now um, that's enough of that business. It just I got I got eat up with it. We're looking at some stuff going on going on over here, and every now and then, when I do get out from the book and get out and see what's going on with the population around here, I get bent out of shape. I sometimes I, I, I come on the program after seeing what's going on and just absolutely are am livid. Livid, in a in in with righteous indignation, folks, at what's taking place. And this free speech that we have right now, to for me to be able to say the things that I've said and not get a knock at the door, folks, the time's coming and it may be closer than any of you think when there will be a knock at this door. I'm not shutting my mouth, folks. For nobody. So they may drag me off. If they do, they just do. The truth is stand when the world's on fire. And if, if something happens to me, there'll be somebody to tell you I'm nothing. So there'll be the Lord will plug somebody else in to take my place. And some of the others that's actually teaching the truth from the true word of God. That's why I despise political correctness and the, and the people I see that bow the knee to that mess makes me want to puke. 
Because once you start bowing the knee to that Jewish political correctness for finance, for friendship, or for family, you might as well be bowing the knee to the foot soldiers themselves and to their master. Because he is the God of this world. Don't forget. The Lord's going to tell the Lord, the Lord mentions it over and over again in all the Gospels about the family, the mother turning against the daughter, the daughter-in-law against the mother, about fam, the division in the family. Only the lovers of the truth and the lovers of this book that are willing to take it in the neck financially, relationship-wise, family-wise, friend-wise, that's the ones that love the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. And you can, and folks, listen, you can make all the excuses you want to. You can think, well, I'm just going to keep on. I ain't got much longer. I'm just going to keep on so I can go along to get along. Folks, you will pay for that at the judgment seat of Christ. Bless God, you're going to be judged by motive. And if your motive is contradictory to the book, you're wrong. You may take your last breath pleasing man, but when you suck in the next one, you're going to be before an angry God. Choose you this day whom you will serve, like Joshua told them. And 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 our people were no different then. He says, you're not going to serve God. He said, choose ye this day whom you'll serve, trying to get some to come out, but he turns right around and may say, you're not going to serve God, you're going to continue doing what you were doing. There's always a remnant that will, folks, but the majority never will. Even when the Lord Jesus Christ rules and reigns on this earth, they're still within the flesh in a supernatural body and us with supernatural bodies. The ones that love this world, they're still going to be the bunch that will refuse to bow the knee and go along with the Lord's work. That, that's the ones that encompass the city in the end, and the Lord has to rain fire down heaven and kill every one of them. You say, oh, that's an allegory. Really? We're, we're fixing to find out about that. I just brought that out because we're fixing to cover that. See what... Um, John the Apostle had to say about that, about the interpretation of that, of that stuff in the book of Revelation when it comes to premillennialism and what the church fathers said about it. There's like, and I'm going to say it one more time, and then we're going to, I'm going to let Brother Pete, Brother Pete sent me a, um, it's a short clip on some of the eschatology that the early some of the early Christians taught. I want you to hear some of it, and then we're going to go to um, Ken Davis, not Ken Davison, but uh, Ken Johnson, Doctor Ken Johnson, that has went back and dug out all. He's written some new books from the early church fathers and got a bunch of their quotes. We're going to listen to uh, some of the early church fathers' quotes and. Uh, some of the straight out of the mouth of the Apostle John 
to Polycarp, some stuff he said about premillennialism. But first we're going to start with what Brother Pete sent me. It's some good stuff from the Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs. But there's no hatred. I'm going to say this is the third time I've said it, and I'm going to say it one more time. There's no hatred toward anybody in nothing I'm saying, folks. That's got nothing to do with hatred. It's got to do with the truth. Because the Lord looked at a woman and called her a, a dog and then still turned around and healed her. You think, you think that was hatred in hailing her? The Syrophoenician woman? Remember that, Brother Dave? Yes, I remember it. Said she is a dog. But he didn't say, he didn't tell uh, Peter or Andrew, hey man, go go hook up with this woman. See folks, the lines are drawn. We're the ones that break the boundaries. The Jews, the one, the Jews behind Hollywood, that behind the finances, behind the government, they're the one, the wicked, the one, the foot soldiers, the wicked seed of Satan that pushes this stuff. They'll push diversity, but they don't want they don't want diversity for themselves. All the ones over there in Tel Aviv, bunch of faggots. Anyway, let's go and let's hear a little bit of uh, Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs. I believe they're about five or six minutes of this, and then we'll hear Brother Ken give us some quotes from the Church Fathers on eschatology as well. So this is Brother Pete. And Brother Pete, I appreciate you sending me this, brother. Early Christian Beliefs by David Burcott. Antichrist. In Daniel 7.25, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hands for a time and times and half a time. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4, That day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 1 John 2.18 Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. In Revelation 13.4-7 They worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation.
He shall come from heaven with glory when the man of apostasy who speaks strange things against the Most High will venture to do unlawful deeds on the earth against us Christians. Dustin Martyr, circa 160. By means of the events that will occur in the time of the Antichrist, it is shown that he, being an apostate and a robber, is anxious to be worshipped as God, for he is endowed with all the power of the devil. He will come not as a righteous king, nor as a legitimate king in subjection to God, but as an unholy, unjust and lawless one. He will set aside idols to persuade men that he himself is God. Daniel foresaw the end of the last kingdom, of the ten last kings, among whom the kingdom of those men will be partitioned and upon whom the son of perdition will come. When he comes, he will reign over the earth for three years and six months. Jeremiah does not merely point out the Antichrist's sudden coming, but he even indicates the tribe from which he will come when he says, We will hear the voice of his swift, swift horses from Dan. That is mentioned in Jeremiah 8.16. Once the Antichrist has devastated everything in the world, he will reign for three years and six months and sit in the temple at Jerusalem. And then the Lord will come from heaven in the clouds. By Arrhenius, circa 180. Now, folks, keep in mind, this is contemporaries with the apostles. They knew what the apostles believed about what they wrote. This is literal interpretation. I said literal. That's what it is. That was Justin Martyr and Irenaeus. Literal interpretation for the first 300 years, just like I've been telling you. They were contemporaries with the apostles themselves. The deceiver seeks to liken himself in all things to the Son of God. Christ is a king, so the Antichrist is also a king. The Saviour the savior appears as a lamb, so he too, in like manner, will appear as a lamb. See there, there's typical, that's thesis, antithesis, type, antitype, just like I teach you folks. Nothing new, nothing strange about what I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you early church, early Christian doctrine. Through, though within, he is a wolf. The Savior came into the world in the circumcision, and the Antichrist will come in the same manner. The Lord sent apostles among all the nations, and he in like manner will send false apostles. The Savior gathered together the sheep that were scattered abroad, and he in like manner, will bring together a people who are scattered abroad. The Saviour raised up and showed his holy flesh like a temple, and he will raise a temple of stone in Jerusalem. He says Dan is a lion's whelp, in Deuteronomy 33:22. And in naming a tribe of Dan, he clearly declared the tribe from which the Antichrist is destined to spring. Just as Christ comes from the tribe of Judah, so the Antichrist is to come from the tribe of Dan. By the beast then, coming up out of earth, he means the kingdom of the Antichrist, and by the two horns he means him and the false prophet after him. 
He will act with vigour again and prove strong by reason of the law established by him and he will cause all those who will not worship the image of the beast to be put to death. Being full of guile and exalting himself against the servants of God, he desires to afflict them and persecute them out of this world. Now you see folks, let me, let me tell you something right here. What you got, you got a bunch of people hating Judeo-Christianity. Therefore, because they got the Jew business wrong, but they'll be teaching you some truth on prophecy. And some of our people out there are so narrow-minded and bigoted, they can't take what's being taught is true and spit out the lie and the deception. So they throw the baby out with the bathwater. This, these folks here didn't believe the God, that the Jews were God's chosen people. The early Christians didn't. They didn't buy into They thought the Jews were contrary to all flesh, like the Apostle Paul taught. That's what they believed. They didn't have nothing, they want nothing to do with these wicked sapsuckers. Martin Luther couldn't stand them either. Neither could John Calvin. That was later on. This ought to be a lesson. There's lessons to be learned in what you're hearing, folks. Let him that hath an ear hear. For they do not give glory to him. He will order census to be set up by everyone, everywhere, so that none of the saints may be able to buy or sell without first sacrificing. For this is what is meant by, by the mark received upon the right hand, and the phrase on their forehead indicates that all are crowned and put on a crown of fire, of death, not of life. Let us look also at his actions. He will call together all the people to himself out of every country of the dispersion, making them his own. And though they were his own children, he will promise to restore their country and re-establish their kingdom and nation in order that he may be worshipped by them as God. After 62 weeks, the times will be fulfilled, and for one week he will make a covenant with many, and in the midst of the week, sacrifice the oblation, pardon me, sacrifice and oblation will be removed, for when the 62 weeks are fulfilled, and Christ has come, and the gospel has been preached in every place, the time will then be accomplished. Then there will remain only one week, the last, in which Elijah and Enoch will appear, and in the middle of it the abomination of desolation will be manifested. This is the Antichrist announcing desolation to the world, and when he comes the sacrifice and oblation will be removed, which now are offered to God in every place by the nations. The prophet sets forth these things concerning the Antichrist, who will be shameless, a warmonger and a despot, exalting himself above all kings and above every god. He will build the city of Jerusalem and restore the sanctuary. For a time, times and a half, by this he indicated the three and a half years of the Antichrist. All that by Hippolytus, circa 205. After the destruction of the Antichrist, there will, there will be speedily transacted the great process of the resurrection. The Tullian, circa 210. 
He himself will divide the globe into three ruling powers. When Nero will be raised up from Hades, Elijah will first come to seal the beloved ones. At these things, the region of Africa and the northern nation, the whole earth, on all sides, will tremble for seven years. But Elijah will occupy the half of the time, and Nero will occupy the other half. Then the, then the embers of the whore Babylon, being reduced to ashes, will advance to Jerusalem, and the Latin conqueror will then say, I am Christ, whom you always pray to. He does many wonders, since the false prophet is his. That they may believe him, his image will speak. The Almighty has given it power to appear as such. The Jews recap recapitulating scripture from him exclaims at the same time to the highest that they have been deceived. Commodianus, circa 240. Celsius, the pagan critic, regrets the statement concerning the Antichrist as he is called. That is because he has not read what is said of him in the book of Daniel, nor in the writings of Paul, nor what the Saviour has predicted in the Gospels about, the, about his coming. Paul states the following, so that he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This same fact is referred to in Daniel in the following manner. And on the temple will be the abomination of desolations, and at the end of the time, an end will be put to the, to the desolation. In Dan 11.31. You see, folks, that's pure, literal interpretation of just the way the Scriptures lay things out. With just maybe a tweak here, like about Enoch. All right? Just a tweak there. That's pure, literal interpretation from people that were contemporary with the apostles themselves. That, 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 that should be mind-boggling to some folks, some of the downloaders especially, that has got under this allegory BS that's running around everywhere and started in a big way in the church in 325 A.D. It's pure, it's out of Catholicism from the word go, folks. Okay? You think they know better than the apostles? I don't think so. And let's listen to a little bit, a little bit more, and we'll go ahead and get into John. This is um, about the church fathers, quote, making some direct quotes, and about the allegorical, the wickedness of allegorical teaching. And I think you'll enjoy this. This is from Brother Ken. So let's look and see what the early church fathers taught on the subject. Papias, who lived from AD 70 to 155, who knew the apostles personally. In fragment 6 of his writings, he says, After the resurrection of the dead, Jesus will personally reign for 1,000 years. I was taught this directly by the Apostle John himself. So we have eyewitness testimony of a disciple of an apostle on how to interpret these prophecies. Tertullian, around 200 AD, wrote, The millennial reign, the resurrection, and the new Jerusalem are all real, literal events. Irenaeus, who's writing against cults of his day in 178 AD, says the resurrection of the just takes place after the destruction of the Antichrist and all the nations under his rule. Many believers will make it through the tribulation and replenish the earth. The new heavens and the new earth will be created, and then the new Jerusalem will descend. These are all literal things. Now, we may disagree with the order in which he has these, but it's clear that he was a believer of premillennialism. 
He goes on to say, Christians who allegorize these things are simply immature. They're probably real Christians, but they simply do not understand Bible prophecy. Those are the type of people you wouldn't want speaking in your church. The church father went on to say if they get something as easy to understand as the second coming confused, what other problems do they have in their theology? He went on to state that in Second Thessalonians, falling away is an apostasy, after which there will be a literal rebuilt temple on the Jerusalem Temple Mount. In Matthew 24, the abomination spoken of by Daniel is the Antichrist, sitting in the temple as if he were the Christ. The abomination will start in the middle of Daniel's 70th week and last for a literal three years and six months. He also mentions the little horn, or the eleventh horn, is the Antichrist. To study these, look at the prophecy section of this website. But this is just letting us know, obviously, Irenaeus was a premillennialist. He went on to say that the Roman Empire would first be divided and then dissolved. Much later, ten kings will arise out of what used to be the Roman Empire. The Antichrist will destroy three of these kings and then be the eighth among them. This is his interpretation of Revelation chapter 13. He goes on to say that the name of the Antichrist equals 666 if spelled out in Greek. But you shouldn't try to find out the number or the name until you see the ten kings arise because there are many people that have their names spelled out in Greek equaling 666. This is detailed in the book Ancient Prophecies Revealed. Interesting note about this particular chapter of his book Against Heresies. He says that he was trying to understand 666 because he was writing against a certain cult. To make sure he understood it correctly, he writes a letter to Polycarp and said, you studied and worked with John for over 40 years. What did he say about this? And Polycarp begins to explain to him exactly how the Apostle John said we should interpret that particular passage. Church fathers have many fascinating stories like this. Probably the clearest teaching on premillennialism comes from the Epistle of Barnabas, which most of the early church fathers used and quoted. In chapter 16, he says, you can perceive that their hope is in vain, the Romans wanting to completely destroy the Jews. The Lord said, Behold, they will destroy this temple, and even they will build it up once more. This prophecy was fulfilled because the Jews went to war against their enemy, that's the Romans. But even though they are now no more than servants to Rome, they will return and rebuild the temple. It was revealed in prophecy that the city of Jerusalem, the temple, and the people of Israel were to be given up. He's referencing the prophecies of Micah that point to this. So putting this together, the church fathers taught that the Roman Empire would be split and then divided. That was fulfilled in 395 to 476. The Jews would return to the land of Israel. This was fulfilled in AD 1948. Yet to be fulfilled prophecies... That's the ones who say they're Jews and are not. I told you to think that what the book says, not what he's saying. ...are the rebuilding of the Jerusalem Temple, the rise of the Ten Nations, the rise of the Antichrist, the seven-year tribulation and the physical return of Jesus to rule for 1,000 years. Premillennialism was taught by all the early church fathers until the 3rd century, when it was replaced by what we call amillennialism. And that is the concept that the millennium and those prophecies are simply symbolic of what happened to the church, despite the fact two of which have already been fulfilled. Church father Cyprian writes in AD 250, in Epistle 67, that the prophecies of the Antichrist foretold of heresies rising up from inside the church before the end of the world. And he begins to speculate in this epistle that the prophecy of the church's end-time apostasy might be starting in Rome. He didn't know for sure, but he was correct. That's where amillennialism began. So we have to ask the question, if the first three centuries everyone was a premillennialist, how did we switch over to amillennialism? What happened? What event in history changed all that? 
one specific event started it all. In AD 290, an event called the Schism of Nepos. This is such an important event, everyone listening to this should be very familiar with the Schism of Nepos. In the first few centuries, Gnostics taught all sorts of heresies. There was one specific Gnostic called Charinthius, who was called the archenemy of the Apostle John. There are many stories about John and Charinthius and the things that happened in the first century. But basically, for our purposes, we need to know that he taught that the millennium was for the indulgence of sin. You would have all the food, drink, sex, things like that in the millennium. This is gluttony, drunkenness, and fornication, which could not be what heaven or the millennium is about. This is where the Muslims get the concept of 70 virgins in paradise. This caused some of the church fathers to begin writing that maybe John's concept in the book of Revelation of a thousand years was symbolic of something else. This got so prevalent down in Egypt that the bishop actually wrote a book called Refutation of the Allegorists. Currently, this does not exist. If it is ever found, please let us know because Bible Facts Ministries would love to reproduce this book in English. In this book, he gives all the quotes from the church fathers on premillennialism. But the reaction of this book was further schism. Some taught he was trying to bring back the Gnostic teaching of Charinthius. Others, like the Eastern Orthodox Church, refused to even read the book of Revelation in church, staying away from the issue altogether. Soon this event pushed the church over the edge, and the Roman church became amillennial. Probably the most important church father, as far as church history is concerned, is Eusebius, who wrote ecclesiastical history. He's called the father of church history. In his work, he gives detailed accounts about the schism of Nepos. He gives all the details about the teaching of the fathers that were premillennial and about the end times. Later on in his book, he gives the party line that we've always been a millennial. He had to do this to get his book published. But thankfully, the father recorded the truth throughout all of his book. Visit us at BibleFacts.org for the next video in this series. Go. Okay, Brother Dave, let's go to John 15, brother. Okay. Do you have a link to that um, information? Oh, yes, I do. I'll send it to you, brother. Would, did, oh, you okay. folks in the chat room, yeah. would y'all like to have a link to this? I was going to say there's questions in chat oh, asking for links to the recordings. Uh, and he oh, also asked, has the rebuilding of Jew Jerusalem been fulfilled considering modern Israel is a phony? Oh, uh, but brother, this is what I've said this before on programs, and I made mention of it when we were we were in the last part of the Bible. We've been through Revelations already, but we're going to go through it again verse by verse. I've hit different spots. Since it, the two witnesses are going to be preaching there for three and a half years, in Jerusalem, there is no, I, there's no doubt in my mind that that bunch over there that say they are Jews and are not are going to try to rebuild something. That, that's my that thorough belief that they're going to try to rebuild something over there. And, and that's where the Antichrist is going to say that he's God. That's where he's going to make that comment. The way you know for sure... That did, that, see, God ain't in nothing that's going on over there. And that's what the, the two prophets that's going to preach, they're going to be condemning them the whole time that they're preaching over there. The reason you know it's in that sand pit is because it plainly tells you that they're killed where our Lord was crucified. And, there, and there's no other place on earth our Lord was crucified other than Jerusalem. Yes. And that's the way you know for sure. That they that it has something to do with the end times. You just can't write that place off. You just can't do it because and uh, 
Go there ahead, also Ruth. is that, uh, the t it's called the Temple Institute that's over there in uh, Jerusalem. And it's been around for quite a while. And they've remade all the implements that would be used in temple service. They have reproduced them all. And um, last I had heard, they had been for several decades trying to reproduce a red heifer. And apparently they have the red heifer. So they need that for the dedication of the temple. But the temple isn't made yet. But they're doing everything they can to rebuild that temple. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. See, it's just it's an anti-type. The real temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. The next temple, the real temple that's going to be built is during the millennium that's going to go out into eternity. All the blueprints for that are in the last eight chapters of Ezekiel, see? Whatever the, the, this bunch of that say they are Jews and are not, Revelations 2, 9 and 3, 9, whatever they do over there is antitype to the real type. Is that yeah. clear, Brother Dave? Yeah. You understand what I I'm saying? I have a question, too. Sure, uh, in reference to rebuilding of the temple. Now, I, I, I know that this is kind of a little bit out there. And what it was based on from Tony Adams, I, I don't believe that, Dr. Joy Pugh. I, I do know that uh, a lot of what she writes is good, and I have one of her books. And But um, Jesus himself said that uh, the temple was his own body. No, that Paul, Paul told us that, uh, know ye not you are the temple of God? Yes. Paul and Jesus said, it. said he would build, rebuild this body, and, you know, in three days he would re rebuild the temple, and they thought he was talking about the architecture, and he was talking about his own body. That's right. And so there's those people that believe that somehow the Antichrist is going to get hold of the DNA of Jesus' uh, blood or something, and they are going to reproduce a clone body that can be indwelt by a devil spirit. Yeah, we'll see. You remember when I brought to your attention that, uh, first of all, Satan put in the heart of Judas to betray the Lord. Then Satan came in and entered Judas, and he's called the son of perdition. I yes. know where... Uh, a joy gets that. I, I know where she sees it in the scripture, okay? Yeah. But as far as Prince William, I, I, uh, I yeah. thoroughly believe that the Antichrist is going to be an Israelite. There's no doubt in my mind about yeah. that. Even like the early church fathers believed he'd be from the tribe of Dan. Yeah, Specific, I, just, uh, I looked that ver those verses up. Yeah, it's clear. It says that there. Absolutely. And, and I see where she gets what she's thinking. And the way things are mm -hmm. going, I see that if if it's really true, in other words, you hear about people talk about, oh, a, a special general told me so-and-so's going on. I don't buy none of that stuff. You know, maybe, maybe not, all right? Maybe they can actually clone a human being now. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. I don't know. I've never seen one. Have you, Brother Dave? Uh, well, they wouldn't be telling us about it, no. <laughs> anyway, the point I'm trying to make is there's a lot of assumption to what she says, but I can see where if Satan really entered into the see jesus christ was fully god and fully man that's the reason he's called the son of man okay he was fully man and fully god at the same time he was yes. the god man all right his flesh never saw corruption this is where i have a problem with what joyce tries to teach dr joy tries to teach yes that body never went back to the dirt in other words if he, if it was cloned 
it would it it would be it would come back as an immortal body. I don't buy it. Right. You see what and I'm saying? The, well, they're saying the blood from that shroud. First of all, the shroud has not been proven. I read about that back in '79 when they first were studying the shroud. But well, I've been keeping up with it ever since they've been yeah. studying the sucker. There's no something supernatural can. about it, brother. There's something definitely yeah. supernatural. About well, it. no one can prove that that shroud wrapped Jesus. But here's the kicker. That if it had the blood, Jesus took his blood to the, the mercy, mercy seat in heaven. That's in right. Heaven. So there wasn't any blood left on a shroud, as far as you know, the Bible is that's, indicating. Yep, I say I, I understand. That's exactly right. The blood was put on the mercy seat in heaven. That's why Mary couldn't touch him till after yep. he ascended. That's what I've taught you guys. When he told her, "Don't touch me yet. I've not ascended to my Father and your Father yet." But then he comes back just a few hours later, and she can hug him and kiss him and anything she wants to do. So, yeah, yeah I see the I see the point. And but uh, like I said, I can also see where the possibility of a 100% literal fulfillment could come if any of that stuff, that mm-hmm. science fiction stuff, is true. Okay. Right. But anyway, brother Chad, does that answer your question about that temple business, or you got anything else you want on that? Any more questions, brother Kevin? No, sir. He said at one point, yes, I remember that teaching, but that was a while ago. It's not in direct response to what you just asked him, if that was good. Then I, then I didn't answer it correctly. I must have misunderstood the question. Ask it again. He, he didn't He didn't say just oh. recently. He hasn't oh. answered you yet. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sitting here trying to copy and paste this and put it in the chat room at the same time. He said it's all clear. Okay, brother, thank you. Okay, let me see. This will work. Didn't work the other night. Not working now either. (laughs) Um, I'll put it in there at the end of the program. um, It's even, it's all messed up. Oh, shoot. I think I'm even out of the chat room now. No, I'm not. There we go. There's the chat room. And the other going. I'll put it in at the end of the program. I'll put in the link to that. Or I'll do it while Brother David's reading one of the two. Let's go ahead and get started in John 15, Brother Brother Dave. Okay. Okay? Yes. John, John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Okay, there's that cleansing by the word of God, which is a type of water. The Word of God's a type of the living water, okay? That's the reason for the typology or the spirit, one of the spiritual meanings behind foot washing, okay? That's one of the spiritual meanings of it, even though it was literally done in the early churches and wouldn't be wrong to literally do now. It did have a spiritual meaning because Christ's blood cleanses us from all sin judicially, 
But on a daily basis, as we walk through this world, the spiritual application is we confess our sins daily and get a cleansing daily for fellowship. I think I've already taught that, hadn't I, Brother Dave? Yes, you have. Okay. Okay, continue on, brother. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Okay, real quick, turn to Galatians chapter 4, brother, and read the fruits of the Spirit. Because this is the fruits. These fruits of the Spirit that are on the inside from the Holy Spirit that dwelleth in you produces good works. That, that, that's this behavioral change I talk about, that the new birth by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, forever, dictates a behavioral change. If any man be in Christ, in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this behavioral change it causes a love. Anybody like Paul says, if any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha, or a curse till he come. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22. This in Christ is so important. I quoted the verse in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Paul gives the, the doctrinal teaching on how to be saved in Romans chapter 10. It's very plain. Repeat what Paul preached and all the other apostles preached when they went out to, to plant churches and when they spoke before crowds publicly and from house to house. Paul tells you in Acts chapter 20, it was repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul tells you in Romans 10, verses 8 through 13, this, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For, whoso, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's real simple, real simple little thing right there in those three or four verses. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord says, He that cometh in, unto me I will in no wise cast out. Is that pretty plain, Brother Dave? Yes. And 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 5, is the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul Paul plainly tells you that that is the believing gospel that he preached, the gospel of the grace of God, and it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that's believed in the heart and belief in his name. That's that faith in the just shall live by faith. Once a person sets his heart and mind toward that, the Lord Jesus Christ, the instantaneous rebirth by the Word of God takes place. That's the reason in the wisdom of this world, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Preaching what, Brother Don? The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-5. 
to save them that believe. Okay? It's, real, it's a simple thing, and the Lord is the author of every bit of it. The righteousness that's received, once Christ dwells in you, is Christ's righteousness, not yours. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Okay? Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Go ahead and read the fruits of the Spirit, brothers, that the Lord's talking about here. Yes. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such thing, there, against such there is no law. Okay, there, every one of those fruits of the spirit, if they dwell in an individual, they will per, they will work themselves outward. Long-suffering, joy, peace, all that's all the love, all that stuff works itself out. In behavior. Is that plain, Brother Dave? Isn't that a simple way to understand that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They work their self out. That's what the Lord's talking about, bearing much fruit. All right? And, the, and, and verse 24 actually says just what you said. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Amen. They've worked that out, like Amen. you said. That's right, brother. I mean, I, guys, I, I, I'm telling y'all the truth. I'm preaching you the honest to God, word of God, that's the truth. Okay? The, the, the book just bears it out over and over and over again. Continue, Brother Dave. In John? Yes. Okay, verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Okay, this abiding in turn real quick to second um, <laughs> turn to Second Timothy two, brother, <laughs> because this is what the Lord's talking about. This person, this where it says, "If any man abide not in me," that person wasn't saved to start with, folks. Wasn't one of the elect to start with. Let's watch what happens to, uh, Paul's going to run down and say, this is a faithful saying, and he's going to go into it. He says, "If um, let's see, uh, if you be dead with Christ, you'll live. Mom, I, I can't quote it right uh, now. Verse 11. Yeah, this is a faithful saying. If we bed would be dead with him, we shall live with him. Go ahead. Second uh, Timothy 2, verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if, we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. There's that crucifixion of the flesh, dead to this world, like Brother Dave just got through reading, they have crucified the deeds of the body. That last verse in Galatians 5. Go ahead, brother. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. That's where the, can... that's that forgotten doctrine that Brother Don's taught a few programs ago. If we suffer, we shall reign with him. Go ahead, brother. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If you deny him that suffering part of your life, that crucifixion of the flesh, then he will deny you the inheritance. We read it in Ephesians 5, those those deeds of the flesh that take away any inheritance you might have, if not repented of and gotten right. It was in Ephesians 5 the other night we went over those those deeds that this person that does that stuff hath no inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. The inheritance is taken away. Period. 
If the continuation in those sins continue taking place and there's no repentance. I didn't say anything about being lost and going to hell. The Lord's fixing to cover that as well right here in this same passage. Go ahead, brother. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. That's right. He, he will not deny himself. What are you talking about, Brother Don? It says if we believe not, if the elector in Christ and you used to go crazy or something and start denying him, if you're the elect and bride of Christ, there's no way that you're going to get out of Christ because he can't deny himself. He's bone of our bone. We're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Ye are the body of Christ. That's all. That's just some of the scriptures put together for you. That explains that very, very simple statement right there. Continue, brother. Of these things, put them in remembrance. Amen. Charging them. Back to John. Okay. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Okay, I covered that the other night about, and Brother Dave even covered it in prayer when he opened in prayer tonight. Continue on, Brother. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. And he kept every single one, folks. He was perfect in the law. The law required perfection, and the Lord delivered perfection with the Father's commandments. And now he's telling the disciples that they should continue in his commandments. Verse 11, brother. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. There's a simple commandment. That's, that's the second great commandment. Verse 13, brother. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's putting, your, that's putting others ahead of yourself. That's that crucified life, part of the crucified life that Paul talks about, thinking more highly of others than you do yourself, putting others first. Or as the colloquial saying out there um, in, amongst real Christendom is joy first, others next, Jesus first, others next, and you last. So simple, so cliche, but yet so true. Jesus first, others next, and you last. That's where real joy comes from, folks. Sacrificial love for the brethren. Unselfishness. That sure cuts close, don't it? Mm-hmm. Continue, Brother Dave. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, 
I have made known unto you. Okay. He's no more, no longer calling them servants. Well, who was them servants he was talking about earlier, I wonder? He's calling them friends now. Hmm. So I wonder who would you who you would apply those parables to to the servants. Hmm. Wonder. Continue, brother. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Okay, the Lord said here, ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. Follow me, he said, and I'll make you fishers of men. He instituted each one of the calls in these guys' lives, just like the Holy Spirit institutes the call in a believer's life. Amen, Brother Dave? Yes, absolutely. Continue on. That ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. The world hate you. Ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. There you go. Stop right there just a second. That's what I'm that's what I scream about all the time, folks. Going along to get along. So the world will love you or not condemn you or badmouth you. Hmm? Compromise makes the Lord sick. It does. That ain't my opinion. Read Revelation chapter three if you don't think it makes him sick. Last time I checked he talked about Vomiting somebody out, didn't you, Brother Dave? Yes, absolutely. And you know what I've learned? One thing, and I still learn it from time to time, but you can try and go along to get along. You can act like the world. You know what? They're still going to hate you because you're not of the world. You're his. Amen. And you can't get run from it. You can try and run from it and act like them, but hey. They're you can not run, gonna but you them. can't hide, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you run, but you can't hide. Yeah, amen. And folks, it took a, it. Listen to me. It took a long time for this stuff to sink in to your preacher here as well. It just doesn't happen overnight, folks. But you've got to start somewhere. You, until you learn to take it on the chin for the Lord, unless you understand the smallest types of persecution in family because of your reputation, so to speak. Worrying about your reputation. Oh, and I've got some listeners that worry about their reputation. You can tell by the way they act and what they do. The things they're afraid somebody might talk about them. And it's a sad thing because I know what the book says about that. I know what the book says about that. This world don't owe you Nothing. You don't owe this world anything. You're not of this world. If that world says, call it whatever you want to, system, spirit, whatever, it don't make no difference. In chapter 17, the Lord's going to make that plain when he's talking to the Father in the real Lord's Prayer. 
continue, Brother Day. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have had no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled. That is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Hey, you notice he you did notice he didn't say in my brethren's law. Yes, or his <laughs> and law. That, that's right. It's their law. It's the Babylonian Judaism. Is what it is, folks. It's Babylonian Judaism. It's Talmudism. So it it it, it it's warped. It, there's nothing about it, Israelite. It's traditions of the fathers. Traditions here, traditions there. It's bastardized Old Covenant teaching is what it is. Out of Babylon. And these bunch of Edomite Jews, they lean more to what the traditions of the fathers than they, they profess Moses with their mouth and in their heart they're far from him. Because they're of their father, the devil, and the lust of their father, they will do. Amen, Brother Dave. Absolutely, amen. I've heard them, uh, not personally, but them being witness, and they say, oh, yeah, well, we read the Torah, but the Torah isn't very, is not as clear as the Talmud. What we really study is the Talmud, which is the traditions of the fathers written down. That's right. And correct. that's what we mainly study. Mm-hmm. That's what they they openly admit to if you question them in detail. Oh, absolutely. Verse 26, brother. Now, right, let's go ahead and stop right here for, for tonight. Okay. We'll go ahead and stop right here, verse 26 for tonight. Anybody got any questions in the chat room? I'll go and find that what I promised I would give you guys. Um, This brother that's going to be doing this teaching on the church fathers and stuff, he has a YouTube page now. Like I said, he's a Judeo Christian, so you get you, you surely you've grown enough under my teaching to be able to eat the meat and spit out the bones, some of you folks, okay? And when he starts talking about oh the Jew, they just don't pay it no mind, okay? Just think they say they're Jews and are not. That's that's the way you get around that. But anyway, let me go. Let me find it in my favorites. Got it saved somewhere. Oh, Church Fathers, Church Fathers, there it is right there. Okay. Come on, baby, load. Brother Dave, you want to add anything to what I've said? So, 
Yes, they're imposters. They're, it's a great masquerade. They're going around pretending that they're the tribe of Judah, and yet in their own Knesset, they have openly admitted that they are mainly Ashkenazim, and the DNA studies have shown that, and they've openly declared it in their own government. And yet we have Judeo-Christians marching around saying, oh, they don't really know who they are. are. (laughs) I know. That's what's so funny, brother. That's what's so funny. You know, you can go to their dictionary where they say they're not Hebrews, and and Mm. the Judeo-Christian will come in there and say, oh, they don't really mean that. They just don't realize they are. (laughs) Yeah, they're just confused. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. They want them to be Israelites so bad. But, folks, there's as much there. Listen. You better thank Israel. Israelite, Israelite, it's like I keep spitting and spewing about the law of first mention. Whenever that pops up, Jew first pops up, there never does that Jew associate with Israel anymore until in one body in the, under the new covenant. There is no more joining of Israel is as separate from the Jews in 2 Kings 16.6. They're fighting one another, folks, and there's no more rejoining of the bunch until in the body of Christ, where there's neither Jew, Gentile, bond or free, barbarian, Scythian, male or female. Anyway, enough of that. You know, here's a thought. Just as we said this and you were speaking, it came to me. Just as Esau, who despised his birthright. Now we have our dear Christian brothers despising their own birthright as Israel. You teach them it, you tell them, and they despise you for saying these things, that they are Israel. Mm-hmm. I know. It's, it's, it's despising amazing. Their, their own birthright. That's right. Absolutely. And that fornication, we're right where Brother Dave's talking about, is in Hebrews chapter 12. And it mentions Esau's fornication, and that fornication there is race mixing, where he married those outlandish women, contrary to what his mother and daddy told him to do. That fornication there is race mixing. That's not just illicit sex. So just thought I'd throw that in there. That's why he never could get repentance over it. The Lord couldn't forgive him, because once that's done and he had his Edomite kids, he can't call them back in. (laughs) You can't call them back. You can't call that back. Yes, the fruit is there. That's right. You can't call it back. And and Amalek, who was, um, I mentioned it before, Amalek, who's the great-great-grandson of Esau, the Lord said there would he would have war with Amalek forever. Forever. He would always have enmity against Amalek, who was is a type of the flesh in typology, but also, in literalism, he is Esau's, like I said, great-grandson, something like that. I get for sure. I think it's great-great-grandson or grandson, something like that, great-grandson. Anyway, there's the link. I put it in there, folks. You can click on to the YouTube page there and find all of his teachings on the church fathers. And he's got even some good stuff. By the way, he's got some, he went back and uh, checked out all the, the Book of Enoch and his um, opinion of, Enoch, book, the first book of Enoch is is real good, but he says that book two and book three is a bunch of junk, David. On the book of Enoch. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's he he like book two and three. Yeah. yeah, it's a bunch of junk. He said the first book is is excellent, but anyway, I'll let y'all check it out. Okay. Eat the meat and spit out the bones, folks. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. Any more questions?
No, I think that was the last one. Okay. There's no more questions then, folks. Well, Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow night and pick up here in, in uh, verse 26. Brother Dave? Um, did you, you know why he said it was a, bunk, a bunch of junk? Did he say why was it because of church fathers? Contradiction to the Word of God. Oh, okay. And that's like, your like rule of maybe, thumb. Hmm. I, I was wondering whether, you know, he might have a problem with his understanding of creation in the globe of Earth and stuff. Uh, um, there was none of that. He he went back, he okay. did some stuff that uh, I think you will be, that you'll like because he gives the prophecies out of the first book of Enoch about this, um, the prophecies that we never even talked about when we went in there and dealt with it, but prophecies that came true later on prophecies about the Messiah. The early church fathers mentioned that they used it a lot, but that they did not believe it should be canon. It's got some good work, brother. Some stuff okay. that, some good work. Check it out. Check it out. Yes, I will. All righty. Yeah, we'll go ahead and close for tonight, folks. Heavenly Father, well, thank you so much for this time we've had to spend around your word, Father. It's always a blessing to open your book. And be with the saints of God. I thank you for the opportunity, Father. It's a humbling experience to be able to do it, Father. I pray that you bless each and every one of them that's in the chat room, all the downloaders. Be with Sister Laura. Put your healing hand on her, Father. Keep her encompassed about with healing angels, yes. Father. Watch over Brother Kevin. Take care of him this coming week during his work period, Father. Uh, continue to give him healing over that junk, Father, that mercury poisoning that he had. I pray for it all the time, Father. Continue to heal him up with that mess. And give Brother David comfort about his sister, Father, and and watch over his whole family and take care of him. And do the same with everyone that's in the chat room, Father. Bless them. Smile upon them financially, Father, as well as spiritually. And we'll give you all the praise, Father, for it's in Jesus' name we ask these things and for his sake alone. Amen. Amen. The contact information for Don Spears Ministry. The telephone number is 334-397-2333-334-397-2333. The email address, joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address is 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1. That's D as in Don, D1. Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, Brother Dave. Good job. Good job, Brother Kevin. Lord willing, we'll see you guys tomorrow night. God bless each and every one of you. Good night. Good night, Pastor Don. Good night, all. Thank you.